And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, he'll watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome into the DNVR Rockies podcast presented by Strava Craft Coffee. Remember to use that promo code DNVR20 and you will get 20% off your entire purchase. I'm your host, Drew Creaseman. I'm the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. And on this episode, Patrick Lyons and I continue our conversation about the Colorado Rockies draft strategy, how it could or should or won't play out, and and how what they do in their first pick might impact what they do with their second and third, and and actually even vice versa in this case. And we'll continue to get into some more specific names for you as we're previewing the draft and continuing to take a wider look at the Rockies organization and even how some of the things they've done away from the field recently may help them in the long run on the field. Before we jump back into the conversation, I've got to give you our DraftKings Sport, uh, Sportsbook Pick of the Week. Remember to download that app and use the promo code DNVR. This one is easy. It's a no-brainer. You've heard us advertising it, but now I'm making it our official Pick of the Week. I know it's not baseball-related. Um, I've given you a bunch of KBO stuff, but I feel so much more confident in this I'm taking Amanda Nunez to win the fight. Uh, even if it's not your thing, if you're not interested whatsoever, it's absolutely insane that DraftKings is giving us 5-1 to one odds on the favorite. She is a badass. I think she's going to win the fight. Uh, if not, there's very little to lose. That is my DraftKings sportsbook pick of the week. There you have. I'm putting my money on that one. You should too. Let's jump back into the baseball conversation. One thing, speaking of fun, weird, interesting things that have happened over the years in Rockies draft history, we anyone who knows knows this, that they've taken a lot of quarterbacks, <laughs> which has been strange. Back yeah. to your, your Kyler Murray. I don't think they've taken any Raptors players, so maybe we'll see if there's a market inefficiency there, any rugby guys. I know, you know, the Colorado Raptors, those guys are they're set, but, you know, I want to find out how many ex-rugbyers we can get into baseball. I think that would be really really interesting of course you guys know that you got to check out the dnvr colorado raptors podcast with our reporter colton strickler taking you inside the locker room getting you 101 pods to break down the game for you if you're new to it uh, having interviews with players we've been doing watches for rugby uh, on saturdays and sundays with the hashtag dnvr watches i've been listening to the podcast i've been learning things i've been watching the games i've been enjoying it uh, I think you will, too. You kick back with the Breck Brew. You watch a little bit of rugby. Uh, you know, scout these guys for some other sports, too. You never know. You never know who might be uh, the next guy to, to come into a draft. <laughs> Probably not, but as we've seen lately, there are, there are multi-professionals. Plus, you got to get yourself some awesome DNVR Raptors geared. Their logo is sick. Their colors are sick. And doing so helps them out. It helps us out. And it helps you look awesome. So it's really, it's a win-win-win situation. Uh, check out 
the, the Twitter at DNVR underscore Raptors on Twitter. Make sure, like I said, you're subscribing to that podcast as well. And Colton's breaking news all the time. Today there was an announcement of a new expansion team Boom. In, in MLR, Major League Rugby. So check that out. He's going to have that covered for you. Not too far away either. So we, yeah. we could have uh, the next rivalry on our hands with the Raptors. Ready. I'm ready for rugby to come back, ready for it all to come back. Uh, <laughs> I was mentioning it, you know, and, and let's do a little bit of uh, draft history because we do have an on this day, a couple of drafts from Rockies past that I wanted to talk about. But but the thing I mentioned a, a second ago, do you have a, a favorite uh, quarterback in, in Rockies history? Uh, the like So for those of you to run down the list really quick. So Todd Helton was a backup at Tennessee behind Peyton Manning. Well, first he was the starter and he lost his job to Peyton Manning. Uh, yeah. So, uh, and then there was, uh, let's see. Yeah. Um, the Rockies had drafted Mike Vick at one point, which is an interesting thing. Now, that was way deep, uh, it, it, way late in rounds and, and barely registered at the time. It's just an That's, interesting That might be my favorite because I, Mike Vick. I, I don't know. I don't think he played baseball at, at Virginia Tech. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. It wouldn't surprise me if he didn't play at all. And it was like, well, he played in high school. I mean, why not? Let's give it a shot. It's at the end. On a wing and a prayer. That was the year 2000 that yeah. they had selected him. You have to imagine Russell he had Wilson. a hell of an arm, uh, oh, yeah. Vic. Um, Russell Wilson yeah. is interesting because he actually played in the Rockies minor league system. You can find pictures of Russell Wilson in an Asheville tourist uniform like that's right and he's now uh, ownership of the new york yankees so in fact we want to know hey where did it all start with all these rockies guys going over to colorado russell westbrook was actually the first guy now granted wilson but yeah oh well, I westbrook. westbrook i did yeah, that before just, I, yeah that's, I, I was like what before, I think. <laughs> russell West. um yeah wilson was actually well, taken like in one of the uh Double A rounds because they actually have a Rule Five draft in for the minors too. Now usually nothing ever comes of that. I think Justin Bohr was one of the few guys who actually you know even made like an All Star team that was selected out of the minor league rounds of the Rule Five draft. But the Rangers picked him up, and then I think the Yankees said, "Hey, they they made a trade probably for like a bucket of ball balls from yeah. the Rangers," and he went and even had a you know some spring training at bats with the Yankees. So Wilson, the first former Rockies player on the Yankees. That's good stuff right there. Uh, Kyle Parker. Was that the next guy on your list? Kyle Parker. Uh, he was not the next guy on my list, but he's definitely on the list. Uh, University of Oklahoma, yeah. That's right. Uh, and he's not even the only University of Oklahoma guy. Wasn't uh, Holiday or Seth Smith? One of those good. They were both quarterbacks as well, and I thought one of them also went to Oklahoma. Um, but I know both Matt Holliday and Seth Smith were quarterbacks. Ryan McMahon was a high school quarterback at Modern Day, which his is his brother. Kind I think a is a deal. great quarterback. Yeah, uh, he's fantastic. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm sure there are some probably that I'm missing. Like those are just the ones I can remember off the top of my head. <laughs> I could think of a few that if we asked, they would be a little, uh, a little, little boisterous and say like, "Oh man, when we would, when we would just you know play tag football." In the yard, I was fantastic. You know, touchdowns, fifty-yard bombs all the time. Right. Be like, all right, you know, not not too modest, but that's okay. I, I I'm all for that that brand of bravado. 
Uh, Troy Tulowitzki was more of a basketball guy. He was a good basketball player in high school, as I recall correctly. Uh, there are a few other others of those. Um, Desi can play, can hoop up a little bit. Um, Charlie can hoop. DJ could hoop. But DJ, DJ LeMahieu is more of a hockey guy. On more than one occasion, walking through... The, uh, the bowels of Coors Field. I'm sure you know exactly where I'm going with this. You saw him too. He'd be out there with somebody with a hockey stick and a little net and like a narrow little concrete hallway. And we're just media walking by going home and DJ's playing hockey in the hallway. Good night, guys. We'll see you tomorrow. Yeah, maybe one of the last guys you would you would expect. But then again, that's that, that Michigan background. It's it's almost Canada up there, isn't it? It's, it's, it's almost. It's It's pretty close. Uh, another guy who was a, an all-around phenomenal athlete in high school and uh, still is today, especially when he stays healthy, was the Rockies' number one overall pick, number 10 overall in 2012, uh, a draft that took place well, eight years ago, if, you, if you've got your math together here. Uh, on this day, eight years ago, uh, we've talked about it, you know, and, and we've even talked about a couple of names here. You brought up... Um, both Zach Veen and uh, Mitchell, um, uh, Garrett what's Mitchell. his first name? Garrett Mitchell, um, who have a lot of uh, similar attributes to uh, David Dahl, who may be available in a very similar spot, right? Nine this year, 10 where they got Dahl. Um, so yeah, let, let, I mean, whether it's this year or that year, obviously, you know, so it was 2012, and then Dahl didn't make his debut until 2016, I believe. Now, there were injuries in there, but is that the kind of timeline? Do you think you see that in these guys, and uh, would you go that route? Would I go that route as far as going I mean, high school player? Yeah, because we're no, back I, to that conversation again. Yeah, and going I, back to that, you know, it's I just, think Dahl was, was a special player at, at that point, and, and it's interesting because there are a lot of similarities. Now, the Rockies also had the 46th pick that year in, in, in 2012. They didn't have one earlier than that. And um, ultimately, at, at, at 46, wasn't a competitive balance pick because, again, that was for the more recent uh, CBA. That was for that was compensation for, you ready, Mark Ellis signing with the Dodgers. Hey! Now, <laughs> one of the interesting things is that um, – the compensation picks, they they would fly all over the place right. like nobody's business a decade or so ago. There was even um, a player, and I, I'm not, I can't I can't recall the name, but I remember Oakland. They were just incredibly savvy, where they they signed a guy who was released, and they they held on to him I guess long enough, where uh, they turned around to, to just trade him and they got a bucket of balls for him. They released, but because they had him on their roster by a certain date, they got a competitive balance pick because the guy had accrued so much major league time. So right. again, they've they've changed the way these compensation picks work. Now we've of course have the qualifying offer. So it's like, wait a minute, you can't just get compensation for anybody, right? Hey, like, Rockies, I know DJ LeMay who was an important part of your franchise, but you didn't deem him as, you know, being like a franchise player. You didn't slap an eighteen million dollar qualifying offer on him but ultimately you know what he goes to another team too bad so now it's only those those higher tier guys but they went and they went and take took doll uh, again out of alabama 
high school player, and at 46, at the time, seemed like a great deal. Still is, still is a good selection. Again, baseball is a crapshoot when it comes to players and their projectability. At 46, they took out of Radford University, Eddie Butler. Uh, now, and, I, and I'm sure you got thoughts on that too. Ah, uh, man, it, it's it. What could have been? What could have been is exactly right, and that's just one of one of the bigger what could have beens from Rockies. Uh, recent draft history in the last decade, I guess, or so. And he, he just, he, he was such a talent. And again, he was one of those guys who um, I think the Rockies felt like they got great value out of with that second pick. Um, and when he showed up and started throwing 97 miles an hour with a, a wipeout slider and good bite and sink. And, you know, he basically plowed through Rookie ball, low A, high A, and double A. Like Eddie Butler was a part of a double A rotation featuring also John Gray and Tyler Anderson when they were still on the Tulsa Drillers. That was insane. I think like at halfway through the season, they all had sub two ERAs and stuff. Like it, it, it was crazy. I believe Anderson ended up being the Texas League Pitcher of the Year even over Gray and, and Butler, who had more impressive strikeout numbers. Uh, Gray and Butler were roommates at the time. You know, I was covering them very, very closely through that whole thing. And, and there was a legitimate debate about which of the two uh, between John Gray and Eddie Butler was going to be more of an impact pitcher. They, uh, there was the Futures game. People who know, uh, remember Eddie Butler's performance in the Futures game was insane. He threw some of the most unhittable changeups I've ever seen in my life. And it just looked like this guy's going to be a star. And, uh, you know, Jeff Breidich has, has later admitted fault in seeing all of that success and, and all of the hype and the kind of groove he was in, matching it with the fact that the Rockies had experienced some injuries at the major league level along with it and needed someone to step in. And rather than just going to AAA and grabbing some organizational filler, they went and grabbed Eddie Butler straight from AA, ripped him up to the minors. I was there for that game. I believe it was against the Dodgers, which began with like a ground ball triple from one of those. It was D Gordon on the Dodgers at the not um, who would have been. Someone super fast hit a ground ball that popped over first base and he ended up on third. And that was the perfect metaphor for how Eddie Butler's major league career was about to go. And and then he would get sent back and forth, eventually traded to the Cubs, go over to the KBO. Um, all kinds of questions about whether or not he ever got a totally fair chance, but also he showed on a number of times the propensity to completely implode when things started going against him. And it was just... There, there was and is so much talent there. And I'll, and I'll even go ahead and say the other thing. And he's he's an extraordinarily kind person. Uh, he's a really good guy. And so he's one of the ones that personally you just go, I hope things work out for that guy. And from a life perspective, things have worked out pretty well for him. He's very happy uh, in his marriage and he's made money and he still plays baseball as a professional. Um, you know, he's doing fine, but... I, I hope the Eddie Butler story isn't over in Major League Baseball. Um, it may be. The guy just, I don't know. He had, he had, it was almost all right there for him. 
just one of those one of those ones, man. Yeah, it'll, it'll be hard, you know, for him to come back. That's the unfortunate thing is again, there's no baseball right now in America, so you he's got nowhere to try to you know, regain some of his value, value, as you said. You know, he was at the KBO last year with the NC Dinos. Uh, I think he even got the opening day start for them. And, you know, he, he could go to independent baseball here in America, maybe, you know, be, be some kind of a success story, much like Rich Hill was, where he pitched for the Long Island Ducks of the Atlantic League and, you know, goes and um, pitches well out of the bullpen and, and gets a one-year deal, then gets a much larger deal from the L.A. Dodgers. So you're right. He, he's still a, a relatively young guy, and, and, and you're right as, as far as that this Tulsa Drillers team. Those those three guys were fantastic. And, you know, Tyler Anderson had a, had a sub-two ERA in a Texas league that is, you know, <laughs> does it definitely favors the hitters in that league. You know, John Gray was at 391. Eddie Butler's at three five eight in his eighteen starts and I think that's one of the reasons, although again, you know, we're going back to twenty fourteen when he got the finally made his debut on June sixth is uh coming up on the anniversary of that as well. That's one of the reasons why you don't see a lot of players. In fact you haven't seen any to my knowledge since twenty fourteen that have gone from double A up to the majors. Yeah. And again, they made that mistake with Juan Nicasio as well, right before that. And he flamed out as a Rocky and has reinvented himself now as a reliever. But that, it just doesn't work. Yeah, only a rare few can really make that jump. And some just go to AAA as, as just a you know temporary thing to show like, okay, no, this, this guy was ready. Like, you, you, you know, you, he could have probably jumped from AA to the majors. But now we know for sure that they're legit impromptu trivia question for you i don't have the answer but i'm gonna look it up as i'm asking you because i want to see how close you can closest to the hole how many games in triple a did david Dahl play so in his career let's see what do you have what do you have play with the isotopes a little bit now are you saying like so before his major league debut or just in general before his major league debut because i'm yeah, because I'm going to guess he's had a couple of... Because, like, uh, rehab re- assignments. Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say... I, I think he got called up pretty quickly that, that first season. Uh, let's go 15. 15. Let's see what we got. Oh, I've only got... Show me minor leagues. Dang it, baseball Are reference. you asking your Siri? Here we go. Minor league stats. I can never find let's that. Let's see if I can beat you. Let's, let's play a game ah. of search, search, hurry up and search. Albuquerque. Oh, you were one off. Really? One. One off. 16 games. Wow. Okay. He, I knew it was short. He hit 484, 529, and slugged 887 for an OPS of 1417. He hit five home runs uh, <laughs> and drove in 16 runs in those 16 games before getting the call ups. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you got to wonder what he did that spring. Like, you know, did, you know, did Colorado think he was ready at that point? And it was just a matter of, well, we'll give you a little bit of seasoning. Hey, couldn't hurt. If you're still raking, you know, middle of April or, you know, the end of April, we can call you yeah. up. No harm, no foul. Um, or they're even thinking he's ready. But you know what? By by keeping him back a couple weeks, we could get another, 
a year of control on his contract, which well, and and with him actually, what, what's interesting, then. yeah, they they they've done that a little bit before, but what's actually interesting about Dahl was he began that year in Double A and played ninety two games because I think he had, um, I think the oh, year right. before was the year he ended with the spleen issue. Uh, and, and so there were a lot of questions. So I think they started him in double a with every intention of moving him up to triple a in 92 games. He really got the bat going, but yeah, so he played 92 games in double a then 16 games in triple a, and then he made his major league debut and played 76 games at the major league level, quite a 2016 for David Dahl. <laughs> yeah. What's funny is that cause 2015, he, he spent, uh, most of the, he spent the entire year excuse me, most of the year in, in double-A with, with New Britain at the time, and he ended up having the exact same batting average in 73 games in 2015 yeah. as he did in 2016. Major difference was, of course, got a lot stronger. His slugging percentage went up, and he cut down on his, his strikeouts slightly, but more importantly, uh, did a much better job drawing walks, putting the ball in play and whatnot. So, yeah, he uh, that was that was an interesting season, and and to make it all the more interesting, in 2016, you know, he didn't really have a home game until he went to AAA. Right, right, right. He was with the Yard Goats <laughs> and Dunkin' Donuts Ballpark, you know, hadn't been finished yet and was in the right. middle of a major lawsuit. So, you're right. It that that all goes into a player's development, and and all goes back to the 2020 draft, and you know, what can you provide these young players, especially if they're coming right out of high school, oh. and you know, we can look back and go, yeah, you know what? All of those high school guys from that crop, man, their their growth was stunted and, you know, a, a, yeah. a much fewer percentage of them really came to fruition and, and, and really developed into the players we, we thought. Look at the guys, what you know, that came out of high school ranks in 2019. Look at the ones in 2021. No issues there with those guys, but the 2020 class, the yeah. exact opposite. So you just you just never really know. One other interesting note on Dahl, because you just reminded me of it, actually had him on this very podcast at the end of that season. And and I remember now, as we're talking about it, asking him, what was the most surreal part? You played in empty double-A stadiums. Like, you played games that were supposed to matter, that were a big part of your development toward getting to the major leagues in front of nobody. I remember talking to Ryan McMahon about how just phenomenally bizarre that was playing your home games in somebody else's stadium in front of no fans i guess some of those guys are about to be prepared for games in front of no fans let's take a note of the <laughs> the 2016 yard goats mcmahon was on that team doll um i'd have to look for but there's going to be a few guys who are at least used to this weirdness um so then as we mentioned destroyed triple a like made a joke out of the highest level of the minors made his major league debut, began his major league career by tying a 150-year-old record with a 17-game hit streak. But do you know what he said the most surreal moment of that season was? He hit a home run on a cutter at his eyeballs off of Kenley Jansen. This young man in earlier that year, two, three months before, was literally playing in empty double-A stadiums as just one of the dudes by the end of the year, after having made his debut and got this 17 game history, he's taken the Dodgers closer deep on a cutter up at Dodger stadium. Woo. Yeah, absolute, absolute talent. And again, that's, 
that's the ability that the Rockies organization can have in, in developing players. And they don't always turn out as well as, as David Dahl did and, and the other slew of high school guys that we've you know, previously discussed. But when, when they hit, they hit as, as all-stars. They now, do indeed. Again, going back to that 2012 draft that we're now on the sixth anniversary of, in the third round, they selected Tom Murphy. I believe that was actually Ooh. the highest oh, right, that right, right. the Rockies have ever selected a catcher. Um, it was in the third round at pick number 105. Yeah. And, uh, again, we have the DH. We have, I mean, what could a platoon of Tom Murphy and Roberto Ramos do for the Colorado sure. Rockies in a 162-game season at DH? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, the, this one's a, another one of those where there are so many circumstantial ways in which this could have worked out for the Rockies and just didn't. There were so many troubling things that happened with Murphy between being drafted and ultimately making uh, his his big league debut. And a lot of it was injury-based. He had very serious uh, shoulder surgery. I think it was shoulder or elbow, but I'm, I'm 90% sure it was a shoulder surgery when he was in double A, which completely wiped out one of the, the major elements of his defensive profile when he was drafted, which was that he had this great arm. And now he just didn't have this great arm anymore, and he was okay defensively otherwise. And I think at that point he started to get worse and worse defensively, uh, but he raked in the minors. And like you said, and there just wasn't a DH, and Colorado has put so much emphasis on defensive catchers that by the time he got there and then injury problems followed him to the major leagues and the Rockies and Bud Black just never felt like they could rely on Tom Murphy and I 100% understand why they lost a game in a year where they ended up in a tie for the division and having to play the Dodgers in 163 uh, because Tom Murphy dropped a third strike and couldn't figure out how to get the ball to first base. And there were, like, he made some really bad defensive mistakes. And you're right. It's just like, it never would have been an issue. He ne he'd be on the team and he'd be beloved by everybody today. If there was a DH in the NL, it's brutal. I always like talking to Tom too. He's a good guy. And, you know, depending, we'll see what happens in, in maybe with the next CBA agreement in December of, of 2021. But if an automated strike zone, you know, comes comes to baseball again. You you're now, you're you're taking a tool, I guess, out of the bag of of, of most catchers, of all catchers really today. That you're valued on your your pitch framing in, in so many ways. So so now really the the defensive demands of, of a catcher are are lessened, right? It doesn't become quite as important. So, you know, again in in, in a few years time, you go back and say, man, what if all of these changes would have come about a little bit sooner. Universal DH, not having to worry about you know defense quite as much with an automated strike zone. Man, Tom Murphy would have been huge. And and you know if if the Rockies, as an organization, believe that the automated strike zone is is going to be a done deal, now you can get creative in in the draft ever so slightly. Again, maybe your your sixth and final pick in the fifth round is is a catcher who's Defensive abilities, uh, abilities are, are questionable. Again, in this piece that Drew and I will be releasing in uh, the next day or so, I've targeted a, a guy who's ultimately an outfielder, but has some catching experience, can can rake from the left-hand side. He's got a lot of power. 
He's going to sit outside the top 160. And if the Rockies go ahead and, and draft one of his teammates because he, he plays at a, at a Power 5 school, then for $20,000, you could have another shot at, at Tom Murphy, if you will, in a scenario in which you can actually keep this Tom Murphy-esque player. Where so, there's a, a plan B or C, yeah. there's some insurance there. Love it, man. I, I really do. And, and yeah, you can see some of the, the value that especially they could have had and, and then in some ways did get from that spot. There's a few other guys from that draft I want to highlight. Before I do, yeah. i got to remind you that the Denver Rubber Company is the most reliable local partner for your long-term projects. They are an essential business. They have filled so many needs for several industries across the country during this insane time. They remain open to supply products to other essential businesses, such as medical, military, defense, government, wind energy, food and beverage industries. They've been around since 1972. You know that they're the best at what they do. Family owned and operated right here in Denver. They're also die hard sports fans. They're known for cutting and supplying rubber snow plow blades, but they can also provide custom rubber and foam gaskets, hose assemblies and metal parts, anything you can think of that can be done with industrial rubber or any of these other things. That is what you can get done at DRC. With their industry knowledge and their precise manufacturing capabilities, they are committed to supporting your needs, especially during these uncertain times. So be sure to call them today for any of your needs at 1-800-259-0010 or visit them at drcfirst.com slash dnvr. Uh, these guys really are just the absolute best. And if you haven't seen them uh, use their tools to cut through metal and rubber and stuff. Like you should check it out. It's just, it's just dope. Um, not, and yeah. and it's true. I I do agree with with Drew. He's not fabricating any of that. Huh. <laughs> wow. Sound effects, folks. They are coming. The wave of the future has arrived. Uh, there are <laughs> there's an interesting collection of players uh, that the Rockies took sort of from three to eight, but n n only one of which uh, I can recall having made the majors for them. And, and that was only briefly. Was, was there anyone from that collection that you wanted to highlight, Patrick? From, from the 2012 draft? Yeah. Yeah, probably just Matt Carasidi. That's he's, the guy, yeah. Yeah, that's he's, he's ultimately, you know, that, that one guy that, really did anything in, in the majors. Uh, coincidentally enough, was also traded for the Cubs. He was the guy that came over in the Zach Ross Cup deal. And it was like, oh, Zach Ross Cup, this is going to be the guy. This is going to be the loogie. You got, finally uh, got that lefty they need. Didn't, didn't did work not, the first time. Not, I, I think he's, he's back with the organization. Oh, do he's it. working he on is. some, uh, some, some uh, arm issues. But, yeah, Karasidi, you know, was, was uh, okay, you know, again, in the minors and – didn't didn't do too much in the majors, but but that happens in the sixth round. Is that, you know, there's, <laughs> you're not gonna get a get a lot. Um, you know, there was, I even heard something recently that, in the last, you know, thirty some years, uh, of the MLB draft, that there's only been like four drafts where all ten of the guys selected in the first ten picks, even made it to the majors. Think about that. The first 10 picks, some of them don't, most of them, not most, but there are several that don't even make it to the majors in the top 10. So you get any kind of value out of the sixth round, 
like Matt Caracidi, and you bring back Zach Ross Cup in a deal, and, and maybe you catch lightning in a bottle, you know, did, didn't entirely come to fruition that way. But then you say, hey, you know, we, we, we scored one. We scored one with Caracidi in that case. Yeah, and, you know, then the, there are some other guys we get further down here, and the, this is only going to serve to highlight not having these rounds anymore, right, that, that, that we're only going to have. Because when you look at, so, for example, to go back up for just a second, you know, the second round after Eddie Butler, so past the sandwich thing, that competitive balance we were talking about before, Max White was an outfielder who a lot of people probably remember for a while, you know, a lot of power and, and interesting potential that just never came to fruition for the Rockies, just just did not work out. Um, then we, we talked about Murphy. Then you've got Ryan Warner, Seth Willoughby, and Matthew Wessinger. And if you uh, – now, I remember Ryan Warner a little bit, but if you are going, who? You're, you're probably not alone, and that rounds out their top five rounds. So as Patrick was saying earlier, that's – 30% of your draft, you know, you, you got three players out of this if you've only got these five rounds that made it to the majors, and two of them are Tom Murphy and Eddie Butler. That's one player if you only get five rounds. The Rockies got one player out of that draft. Yeah, made, made it to the majors. How much did he contribute, you know, or how much value did you get out of him? It, that's what's a that's the the crapshoot of of the NLB draft in a lot of ways and, and you know this will be you know something we'll we'll address on the draft is that you know of course you know there there are trades made all the time so you can get players outside of the draft you can also get international free agents right. anyone that comes from Dominican Republic Venezuela uh, well those are those are the two prime places the big international ones, free yeah. agents Cuba of course uh, a lot of times guys coming over from Japan or South Korea. Um, are um, you, you know there's there's a okay. different uh, rule uh, right. in in place for that, so you know you you can get players a, a numerous amounts of ways, but the draft that's the old school way of, of how business was done. It, it it still stuck around, but you got to get through so many levels of the minor leagues, and it it just goes to show you how hard it is to play the game. You know, Pete Rose said it: hitting a, a round ball with a round bat. Hitting it and hitting it square, it's square. Yeah. just the hardest thing to do. Yeah, uh, I do want to point out uh, a, co a couple of personal favorites, just because these guys really helped me settle in as uh, a reporter my first year doing so. With the ninth pick in 2012, the Rockies took pitcher Zach Gemiola, who really almost made it to the show, and you know he also I think had some injury issues and and didn't have like a the 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 highest end stuff had such a good mind for pitching made a pretty solid minor league career out of it. Um, but sadly never made it. He was my first interview ever. I, I went out to grand junction and he threw a one hitter in 101 degree heat, uh, while he was under the weather and gave me an extraordinary interview the next day. And so thank you to Zach Jimmyola. Uh, another personal favorite who came out of this draft was, was, almost the exact same stories like the second guy I interviewed, which is uh, the 12th pick Corel prime uh, great guy. And again, just didn't quite get to the big leagues, had a, a solid minor league career, worked his way up the ladder, got close. Uh, just, just never put it all together. 
before we talk about pick number 15, Patrick, was there anyone else that you wanted to, to highlight? I mean, Shane Broyles was a guy who, you know, seemed like he could have possibly been a, a solution in the bullpen again. If you mm -hmm. need an arm here or there, he made it up to, to Albuquerque and, again, didn't, didn't really come to fruition for him, unfortunately. We could also just briefly mention that in the 38th round, the Rockies did draft Dansby Swanson out of high school that year. Uh, but he, you may know this, did not sign uh, with the Rockies. <laughs> he yeah. thought he could do a little bit better than the 38th round, and uh, he was right. Bet on yourself, kids. And that, that's ultimately one of the reasons why the, the draft is, you know, is, I think is, is, is getting shortened, you know, for a lot of reasons. You know, at, at, uh, I think before 2013, there was 50 rounds in the draft. 2013, I think, was the first year that they went to 40 rounds. And, and even when you have a 40-round draft, if you go back and look through the uh, archives, the Rockies, and the archives aren't that old. We're only talking about 2013. But if you go back and look, pretty much every pick from number 35 to 40, they didn't sign, right? There's like, all right, we got all the guys that we want. Now we're just kind of, you know, we're, we're throwing, throwing something out there to, to build a relationship. You'll see that they selected a lot of guys, a lot of high school players from Colorado, Right, it's just kind of a, hey, we we see you out there. You know, they did it two years ago with Kumar Rocker, who was supposed to be a first round guy, who ultimately just preferred to go to to Vanderbilt, much like Dansby Swanson did. And now Kumar Rocker is probably gonna, you know, right now could be the first overall pick in the twenty twenty one draft. So again, Rockies take him late, have no chance at signing him. So why is there so are there forty picks? What are we doing here? Right. Yeah. All right, you only need thirty four, thirty five. Well, you, you cut out the the filler, right? The the short season baseball. You only need twenty, and and that's where that's, that's where we're at today, and that's what we're gonna have going forward for the twenty one draft. Twenty twenty one draft is is just those twenty rounds. And I I think that's okay. I think ideally, honestly, for me, I don't know why like five more round, like twenty five feels a little bit better. Twenty feels, a, but I, I'm with you. You're not gonna find too many guys taken after the twentieth round. You will find some. Uh, and you will find some Hall of Famers who were taken after the 20th round. And you will find taken in the 15th round in 2012, the Colorado Rockies' current best reliever, Scott Oberg. Their BR? Is that? The BR. Their BRRP? He, he may not be the closer, though I think CL. he was going to be. Yeah, he was due to be their CL, but undoubtedly he's their BR. He is their BR. Uh, and he br real good, uh, no doubt. and had almost no you know prospect shine on him. And so this this is one of those things that always begs the question, you know, where what's going to happen to the Scott Obergs of the world uh, it, it, in a draft like this? Are they even going to be able to sign? Because I'm not sure that in 2012, with what Oberg had done at this point now out of the University of Connecticut. Um, I don't know that he was going to be able to just sign as a free agent somewhere. Or he might have had to go back and play some independent ball or you know, who knows. But th this is one of those things, too, when you look at the, the names in front of him that didn't pan out and then you look at Oberg at 15, you, you see the giant balance. Like, boy, did they get value out of that pick. Yeah, and he was he was a career reliever. They didn't even start a game with the Huskies, so you know they 
Colorado, you, you say, well, we're going to need relievers. They can't all start, right? They, they might start to begin with, like a Yancey Almonte, who makes it up to AAA and then eventually... gets converted. You're going to need guys, a reliever, so be it. Stick around doing that. Again, Houston Street, closer in college, closer in the majors. He's first-round talent. Well, what about those guys that, again, just just need a need a shot, right? They 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 can do it, but you know they they don't look the part, right? There's there's a guy in this draft that Fabio, I, yeah, <laughs> there's a guy in this draft that I really like. Um, he's a Division three player named Nick Garcia, and he might be the first guy taken in the second round or higher since Jordan Zimmerman, like 15 years ago. So again, he, he's a guy who Chapman Un, uh, University, and you know, is he's he's proven it. But again, as, as a closer, so you you can't draft nothing but starting pitchers because someone's got to relieve at some point, right? Right. So 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 the, so uh, again, to your point, you know what what's going to happen with these guys? You know, they're going to have to sign after the twentieth round. I, I think there'll still be an opportunity for those guys. They'll they'll probably make similar money for the most part. So I, I don't think it'll be the end of the world for them. But, you know, it's it's there'll be a lot more undrafted free agents, right, that we're going to see making it to the majors and more guys with chip on their shoulders. And, and, and overall might might be better, might be better for Major League Baseball to have those stories, might be better for the world of baseball in general. You know, instead of, you know, instead of going out to Grand Junction, Drew, every year and maybe two of those guys make it to the majors maybe one of them is good you know right right it's great if if one of them becomes a future all-star um but if in a lot of you know maybe grand junction isn't the best example because the rockies have had i said they've purposely sent really good talent there yeah so they probably had had a future all-star on the team most of the last several years but but your point is well taken yeah because they've had a lot of homegrown talent but again The, the Rocky Mountain vibes, on the other hand, you know, M- Milwaukee's top affiliate. You know, I've, I, I went to a lot of Lakewood Blue Claw games, and that they're low A affiliates. That's the first full season that, you know, the guys are playing in the majors. And I would go and, and scout players in other organizations, and there'd be one or two guys whose name had a little bit of buzz on them, and it never really came to fruition. You know, I went, yeah. went to the – all-star game i think it was even in it was in 2002 the the south atlantic league all-star game and i go back and look at the guys david wright was on that that all-star team uh andy Marte, who was a major prospect again had a very short career and other than that nothing so even even one to two levels higher than grand junction in the pioneer league you've got guys that never become anything so instead of going out and saying, hey, we, we're seeing professional ball players, we're just not seeing future major league ball players, could be better for the sport in general for these independent leagues to pop up all around the country and, and, and take the place of these short season clubs. And now you say, hey, these guys are really grinding it out. They love the sport because they're not playing for anything. And you, you root for these guys a little bit more. And if they make it, that's, that's even better. Right, them having that cup of coffee is a story. The story of Jim Miller, the rookie, is a story because, you know, he had stepped away from the game and he had defied the odds. Right, 
Like he was still drafted. I think he had a very short minor league career, but he defied the odds. And with a 20-round draft, you're going to have so many more undrafted free agents. You're going to have so many more guys having to be forced to play independent ball all across the United States. And whatever this new feeder system is going to look like, there's going to be that many more inspirational stories to come out of that. And maybe, maybe that's one of the good things that can come out of this. Yeah, no, I I think that that very much could end up being the case. I mean, it's going to suck for the Rockies. Let's not pretend like that doesn't totally suck for the Rockies if uh, the depth of pitching talent has their choice of where to go. They're not picking Colorado. We know that, and so that well, are sucks. They? But I mean, they haven't yet. Now, I, no. maybe it's a little bit different if if you're really that far removed. But I mean. Well, let me say this, because I, I agree. With, we, we've had these conversations before. Like, yeah, no, no reasonable, <laughs> no reasonable pitcher is going to want to, you know, sign on with Colorado. Maybe you, you, you say, all right, I'll, I'll take some money just to get my career started, and you keep your fingers crossed that you get traded or something like that. That it, that's not going to happen. But think about this, Drew. In the past couple weeks, you've had a couple franchises that have ultimately decided to not pay their minor league players. No, oh, yeah. Now I'm with they, you. Yeah, I like where you're going with this. Yeah. They have decided, you know, we're a family here at the Oakland Athletics. <laughs> and here's how we treat our family members. Yeah. That, so, yeah. you know what? Pitching at altitude doesn't seem so bad when you talk about playing for an organization that maybe doesn't value all of the members in their quote-unquote family. And there are a few teams that aren't paying their players. And the Rockies, well, right now they're only paying, I believe, until, is it June? Yeah, they've, they've promised through June. Until June. So, you know, if, if they come out in the next couple of days, they might. And not just their minor their league players, but everyone working in the organization, all the employees who've been furloughed, uh, you know, so, yeah. And this Rockies, is an extraordinary the, point. Yeah, and and so the Rockies are are, again, one of those franchises that that preach family and, and have that loyalty so maybe just maybe at a time in which you need family you need to have somebody look after you in these unsure times that you say you know what these guys put their money where their mouth is and you know what i playing at Coors Field and worrying about that that's so far down the road I'm not going to worry about that they they treat people well there's one of their star players, Trevor Story, is coming out talking about Black Lives Matter. And yeah, right. all lives matter, but some people don't get that. Some right. people don't get that all lives matter and that blue lives matter. Yeah. They need to hear that black lives matter. Right. And, and the Rockies retweeting that, Ian Desmond's statement. All of with, those with no commentary. Have value. That's right. right. All of those things have value. And. If, if guys are saying, well, look, I want to just get my professional career started. $20,000 over here is the same as $20,000 over there. But you know what? I don't care about money, but I don't care what, you know, how winning of a, of a team the A's seem to have every year and, and, and defy the logic with the roster that they put together. The Rockies are a family that takes care of their family, and that's who I want to associate with. Maybe that is, again, one of those things that somewhere down the line we see the difference that the actions that the Rockies take beyond the game on the field, we see the impact that it has you know, off the field with, with these players that they're able to take after the fifth round. How about that? 
I want that to be the last word in this podcast. That was extraordinarily well done, sir. And I, from your lips to to their ears and arms, hopefully bring them, bring them all out, bring them all out, <laughs> recognize. But yeah, I hope you're right. I I hope you're right. Um, yeah, well done. All right, thank you everyone for listening in to this episode of the DNVR Rockies podcast. Make sure you're following us on all the social media. You're subscribed to the DNVR.com so you don't miss any of our articles, whether we're previewing the draft for you with mock drafts and some of these Falls Count Anywhere articles. Of course, we'll be covering all of the news uh, as it comes in about when baseball is going to get back up and going again, what spring training is going to look like, how many games we're going to play. Anything like that happens, we'll break in with you know a breaking news podcast. We'll let you know. We'll give you updates. We'll have articles. So make sure you're subscribed to everything so that you don't miss out on any of that. Uh, hit up our merch store. Uh, I think hockey stuff is still on sale. Something's always on sale. Get yourself some, some cool shirts and hats and DNVR merch. And remember, anytime you help out any of our sponsors, drinking a Breck brew, getting some barbecue, every time you manscape, uh, you're helping us out. Uh, you're helping them out. You're helping yourself out uh, because they're great products. And, you know, during this time, uh, as Patrick said, uh, we all need to treat each other like family. And, and each one of those sponsors is a part of our DNVR family. So thank you so much for doing that to the best of your ability and continuing to be absolutely awesome. We will continue to be absolutely Drew Creaseman and Patrick Lyons. And until next time, we will see you at the ballpark.